Meet Nate. By day, he works in IT. But when he gets on the bike, he becomes... Nature Nate. An outdoorsy type with his head in the clouds and a weak supply of trail mix in his cargo pants. Nature Nate leaves no trace, except for native wildflowers. If a tree falls in the forest, he'll help it get back up. And Nature Nate rides with Geico, because getting specialty coverage for his motorcycle is the natural choice. Geico Motorcycle. Expert coverage for both your sides. Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we're all just trying to survive in a rough world. What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guest in all of true crime and also the most interesting, as you're about to see tonight. Of course, as we know by now, Lori Vallow Daybell was found guilty on all charges of both conspiracy to commit murder as well as murder and a fraud charge as well. And she is now sitting uh, with her braids in the Madison County, Idaho jail, awaiting sentencing, all but certain to spend the rest of her life behind bars. So what's ahead for her in the prison system? That is what our guests, who all have served time, are about to tell us and inform us about. Of course, it is the trial of the so-called doomsday mom, the wildly twisted story of a seemingly loving mother, a self-proclaimed devout member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who clearly veered way, way off course and became involved in the deaths of as many as five people, three of uh, whom she was uh, convicted of murder and conspiracy, as we just discussed. Best guest tonight, Jackie Pulverari is back. She is the founder of Evolution Reentry Services, she is a leader with over 25 years of proven successes in mentoring and therapeutic environments and criminal justice reentry. Her experience working with trauma in the criminal justice field culminated through her personal journey of making poor choices over a decade ago, which she will share with us. And then the man in the mysterious glasses. You see him all over TV. It's hard to miss him. Larry Levine. He was arrested by an FBI Secret Service-led organized crime task force, and he was charged with racketeering, securities fraud, obstruction of justice, and narcotics trafficking. Who could believe it? He's such a nice guy. Uh, I'm sure he still is a very nice guy and was a nice guy even back then, just made poor choices. Uh, he served time uh, and survived, as he puts it, 11 federal correctional institutions of multiple custody and security levels and experience firsthand the confusion and dangers first-time offenders face when entering federal custody. He is the founder and CEO of Wall Street Prison Consultants, something uh, that Lori Vallow-Daybell might be interested in uh, seeking out some info for. And of course, last but not least, a late addition, Dr. Clover A. Perez, the first time on the show. She is a motivational speaker, an activist, an entrepreneur, a founder an executive director of A Beautiful Heart Ministries, who shares her story of how she recovered from humiliation and turned her pain into purpose after serving time in federal prison. Upon her release in 2019, she hit the ground running by starting this nonprofit organization, A Beautiful Heart Ministries, to incubate every disadvantaged woman and girl returning home from a period of incarceration back to their fullness. Thank you all for joining us. A couple of important programming notes for once. Facebook, Insta, Twitter, you can follow us there. Twitter, we are at Podcast STS. 
can also listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Patreon and YouTube members, we are officially doing our event this Thursday with a best guest. It will be at 5 p.m. Eastern time with the great Carm, whose cardboard cutout, once again, I forgot to bring over here, but I will replace it and bring it back. She's with us, of course, in our hearts always. The great Carmela will be here live Thursday for that Patreon YouTube member event at 5 p.m. Eastern time, and we are naming the winners of our giveaway, which my wife has just texted me saying a big mazel tov to our two giveaway winners. The first is Michelle. Damn, no, I thought it was me. No, no, sir. No last name, but we have your email. So our chief of everything is reaching out. That would be the wife. And the second winner is Sean Butler. We also have your email. So look out for an email for us tonight or tomorrow. You're going to get some free swag that's now on sale at the STS merch store. Uh, without further ado, Dr. Perez, since you are new and that rhymes, tell us a little bit about your story, if you can. Um, how did you wind up in, in trouble uh, and end up behind uh, bars at a federal prison? Mm. <laughs> a story that I don't like to talk about because it brings up so much bad memories. But um, yeah, I was um, found guilty of immigration fraud in 2011 and was sentenced to 10 years in um, federal prison. Um, initially, I, you know, when I was found guilty, I was instantly remanded and was taken to um, Brooklyn Detention Center. And that was the worst experience. I spent 13 months, there's a box inside of another box, no sunlight, you know, can't go outside. It was really, really terrible. And after that, I went to Danbury, where I spent eight months at the FCI and um, moved up and spent the remainder of my sentence in Danbury um, prison camp. And that's where I met Jackie. Wow. And um, you now have this nonprofit, which is amazing. And I, I know you're a doctor. You're a doctor of? Theology. Theology. Wow. And did yeah. you get that degree while you were serving time? I started it while I was serving time and I finished it. Um, I got it um, last year, December. And uh, obviously with someone <clears throat> like Lori Vallow-Dave, and we'll get into this a little bit, um, it doesn't seem like there's any chance of her seeing the light of day. But for those who make mistakes and do have a second shot, uh, is there hope for those people, Dr. Clover Perez? I believe that there is hope for anyone. Everyone is you know, um, is deserving of a second chances. We all make mistakes. Um, you know, my religion tells me that, yes, um, everyone is deserving of second chances. And I look at her situation and I do feel remorseful for her. Um, not necessary because of the crime that she committed, but also because of the situation for her when she is sentenced and remanded into custody, it's going to be very, very difficult for her. Uh, we're going to get into the details of that. I can't imagine what it's going to be like for her. But by all accounts, it seems like whatever is coming her way, she sort of uh, deserves it. But I guess at the end of the day, uh, each and every person should be able to redeem themselves in some way if they truly made mistakes. Um a funny comment from STS Nation to start from Kyle D'Angelo, which I can't ignore. Is it me 
or does Lori look like Willie Nelson in her mugshot? No offense to Willie, but uh, you can see it kind of behind Larry right now. Uh, on a on a on a lighter note, uh, Larry Levine, she kind of made a lot of headlines with these uh, Pippi Longstocking braids. Any theories as to why she would go uh, for such a look in her mugshot, which she knew the whole world uh, would be looking at? Is there any rhyme or reason behind it, in your opinion? Well, I'm not a woman's hair fashion expert. <laughs> she does look, she looks tore up. We use that word inside when there's a chick that's just, you know what I mean. Maybe it's easier for her to maintain her hair in braids. Uh, Jackie, what do you think? Is that easier? I mean, I'm not saying this because you by the way, Larry, hair. You, you ask Lori. Is it easier for her to maintain her hair in braids? Nice but, but, deflection, Larry. Yeah, but Larry Levine said he's not a hair guy. You can tell because he's missing a few. But right before the show started, he was complimenting Jackie on her beautiful haircut. So, what did we say about the hair, Joel? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And so does Larry. Um, she looks Jackie, great. Look at that. Look at that. It frames her face. Look at yeah, that smile. It, it looks fantastic. Smile. I'm a fan of the haircut. But... um. <laughs> Jackie, what what do what do you make of the two braids? Um, again, she knows she's going to be looked at, and she you know she knows her photo is going to be in every newspaper, uh, online, everywhere. What was she thinking here? Is it just are we are we reading too much into it? I think we're reading too much into it. I don't <laughs> think she knows anything. She's she's probably in complete denial. She is most likely listening to whoever is telling her, hey, look, braids would be a good thing. Okay. You know, the, the same person who told me cutting your hair would be a good thing. Okay. Um, obviously, by looking at her, she has no concept of what she's looking at and what she's going to go through. She's just right now, I think, going through the motions and in my opinion, must be medicated. I mean, in what I've seen with her facial expressions, yikes. Jackie, is there um, like a percentage? Look at Larry Levine. Not only is he a guest, but he's also directing, bringing up pictures. I love it. Uh, Jackie, is there any? are there any stats on the percentage of female inmates who are medicated while they're in prison, like for, you know, mental health issues? Is there a number out there? There actually is. Um I've looked at, I've done two research studies and I've looked at a lot of other research studies. And I think currently right now, 91% of females incarcerated are on some, some type of mental health medication or anti-anxiety. And I'm sure Clover would agree. Personally, I would think it would be higher than that, but those are the did actual. You, did you say 75%? 91. Wow. 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 91%. My ears aren't working. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Perez, does that does that surprise you knowing that statistic that 91% of the women are on some sort of mental health uh, drug? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, prison, going to prison has a lot of negative effect. It can mess with your mind. And, you know, we also know that from a study that 80% of women um, prior to incarceration suffers from some form of trauma, right? That may have led to their incarceration. So yes, going on, going into prison and going on to what's called pill line <laughs> where they medicate you. Yes. And oftentimes that's how people, you know, get through their time just being medicated. So I agree with um, Jackie on that number. 
And when is pill line? Is that once a day, twice? What if you need three, three pills a day? No, it's twice a day in the morning and in the evening. Places and, I was at, they did it three times a day. Three times a day. Interesting. And, and Dr. Perez, do you, um, so everyone knows your business in prison because you're obviously getting in line, uh, you know, in society, uh, you know, it's, it's more discreet, but in prison, everyone, I assume knows what medications you're taking because you know, no, no, not no. necessary. You, you, you know, there's, uh, different reasons people, um, do, um, take medications, whether, um, heart problem, high blood pressure, are medic but oftentimes you can tell the ones that are taking some type of medication for depression or or mental illness because of the way they look they're more like zombie like they sleep all day they wake up and they eat and some of these medications you see i remember when i went to prison um at dan um danbury and i saw these ladies on the camp and I, I said, oh my God, everyone here is pregnant because they, <laughs> they had this, their, their stomach was protruding. And when I found out later on, it was because of uh, medication that they were taking for mental health. Wow. Um, by the way, Kyle D'Angelo about the braid says she's trying to look all cute for Chad. Um, Larry Levine, you have a very interesting take. I've had you on before. You said you almost enjoyed the prison experience. Uh, it had to be scary, but why do you well, say that? All right. I was in 11 different federal prisons over 10 years. They moved me around a lot because they were pissed off at me helping people with legal work. And it wasn't even my idea to start Wall Street Prison Consultants. Of all the people that I helped when I was inside, I guess I'm a little different. I found prison to be very relaxing. I had no responsibilities whatsoever. I had, at some places, two or 300 inmates working for me. I had high-profile jobs. I didn't have to take phone calls from people, people asking for favors and to borrow money. And I spent my time, I don't know, it was rewarding to me knowing that I was helping people. And they even tried to release me six months early just to get rid of me. And I know some of the people in your comments are going to say I'm full of shit because I read those. I told them I wasn't leaving. I was staying. And I was going to fuck them right to the last minute and tell them step by step how I was doing it. And there was nothing that they could do to stop me. Nothing at all. But that being said, I was moved with, I don't know, about 200 inmates from... Uh, Nevada to Texas, and they sent us to Latuna. It's right over there on the Texas-New Mexico uh, Mexico border. It's everything you could think about a prison in Texas. And they told us that we were stuck there, and there was nothing we can do about it. And if we didn't like it, go ahead and sue them. This was at a town hall meeting. So all 200 inmates turn around and look at me, and I just smiled. And about three weeks later, I hit him with a 97-page class action habeas. And I have the all-time record for the largest mass movement of inmates all over the country. I caught them, and I assembled a team of disbarred lawyers that were in there with me. And it's like, here you go, assholes. And I had a uh, an AW, an associate warden, ask me, well, why did you do this? And I pointed to a unit manager and said, well, it was her idea. 
She said, if we didn't like it, go ahead and sue here. You know, well, here you go. I learned a lot in prison. I did. I have a pacemaker now. They, they're the ones, the Federal Bureau of Prisons, that determined that I actually had a problem. So if I hadn't gone to federal prison, I wouldn't be on here now. I'd be dead right now. So in some aspects, prison saved my life. It gave me new direction for helping people. Before I went in, I was a private investigator. And I was in the mil I was an intelligence officer for about 10 years in the military. And then when I was on the outside, I was working, I was like a troubleshooter for organized crime. The mob, they would bring crime to me and I'd make crime better, more bang for the buck. I was like an efficiency expert for the mob. So going to prison was, I don't know, transitional. I don't want to say it didn't make a difference, but I found it relaxing. And just like Lori said, she was over at uh, MD MCC New York. I was in MDCLA for 21 months, so I can relate. I didn't go outside either, and that's when my eyes went bad because all I had was the fluorescent lighting. I didn't see any natural sunlight. But now I help people. And you know what? We've got a Facebook group. A BOP, Federal Prison Cares Act, First Step Act or something. And if people need help and they're going into custody or they have questions about loved ones, reach out to us. I'll help you out. Jackie will help you out. We got to get Lori on the page. She can help you out. Clover, not Lori. Clover, not Lori. Not Lori. I'm sorry about that. Lori's got her own problem. Clover can help out too. We've got a lot of good people on there that want to help. And remember, just because somebody goes to prison doesn't necessarily mean that they're guilty. I'm guilty of sin. Narcotics trafficking, securities fraud, racketeering, obstruction of justice, and machine guns. I didn't have any psychological issues. And I'm curious, perhaps uh, Jackie and Clover can answer this. Why is it that men don't have the same mental issues that women have? I mean, at pill line, generally is what we call the J-cats. Would get in line, they do the federal shuffle. You could tell they were they were cuckoo. Then you have the chomos, the child molesters. They were on pills also. But the mainstream male population, they weren't on pills. I mean, maybe one of you can yeah, answer that. Yeah, Jackie. You need to yeah. take control of your show, but I was wondering this. Larry, you always do. It's okay. Old lady Snoop likes it. She says, STS Nation, y'all, this is so exciting. I love Larry Levine. I tell him, Larry, I got a lot of Larry Levine tweets. Excited to see him. Haven't seen him in a minute. Uh, this will be the Larry Levine show, but uh, I'm fine with it. Um, Jackie. Um, what about that? Do you know what the stats are for men? Are there a lot less men? And is uh, is Larry Levine starting a gender war uh, right now? On my Larry show? Levine said he enjoyed prison. There is something psychologically <laughs> wrong with him. <laughs> you, know, you know what's weird, though? When he said it to me, it kind of resonated in a really weird way because I have three young kids. And Larry said... Hey, when you're in prison, you don't have to worry about bills. You don't have to worry about your mortgage. Nothing. I was like, I was like wow, sounds kind of nice in a weird way. But uh, that's got to be my big – people say public speaking is their biggest fear. I used to speak on television for a living. Uh, without a doubt, going to prison is my biggest fear in the world. I could talk to you guys for a thousand years, and I don't even know. There's so many places to go in so many directions. But let's start with this. Right now, um, Dr. Clover – can I call you Dr. Clover? 
uh, Dr. C, Clover. Not Lori. Clover, Not anything, Lori. yes. <laughs> um, Lori is in the, she was moved, uh, remanded back to the Madison County Jail, which is where Rexburg, Idaho is, the scene of the uh, these horrific crimes, these murders. Um, what is the difference, um, you know, between her jail stay and what she's going to experience in a state prison system? She's going to be sent more than likely to uh, Pocatello Women's Correctional Center in Pocatello, Idaho, which, by the way, uh, has a, an average temperature this time of year of 68 degrees, and she doesn't like cold temperatures, so she's going to be chilly. But what what is the difference between state prison and the jail she's in right now? Well, I think it's like the na night and day, right? So the treatments is different, the con um, connections as far as with um, incarcerated individuals are different. You don't have a lot of um, population that are in jails as opposed to in prison. Her life in prison, I think it will be very, very difficult for her, especially because of her crime. You oftentimes will find um, people that commit the same crime, but they they are the ones that really target you also because here someone is um, in their face committing the same crime. Now they have to look at themselves. So, and you know, no one really wants to go to prison for rape, right? And also for killing their children, really and truly, or their child. No one wants to go there because they are target, right? So they are going to make her life, so to speak, a living hell. Uh, that's what I was afraid of. And Jackie, that's what I was going to follow up on. So she is now a convicted killer, uh, but not just of anyone. She murdered her two children. One is adopted. Uh, what kind of target, speaking of targets, does that put on her back, uh, both in the in the county jail? By the way, I heard the county jail she's in now is a rough, rough joint, um, but uh, also in state prison. Will will they go after her because of that? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, Jackie, can, Jackie, can you just expand on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, there's a culture inside prison. I've talked about this a lot before. And when you go in, you find your culture and your people. Lori is not going to fit into any culture in no. prison and where she is now, especially. I mean, she, she's kept alone specifically because most people who have committed the crime she has, look at the, the history, they don't make it out of what a couple of months. I mean, Larry, you would know the, the statistics of how long the actual life, exp you know, is of somebody who's committed that kind of crime because most of the women that are there are mothers. Mm -hmm. And there's a culture in prison too, where when you're in prison, you become a prison mother. So I had a prison daughter and I didn't even know it was a thing until she was calling me mom and somebody, wow, one of the other inmates said to me, you realize that's serious. And I thought she was joking by calling me mom. And it is a real thing. To this day, her biological mother will call me. She's home. She's she's rebuilding her life. She'll call me and she'll say, Jackie, you need to speak to, to her because she's acting up. So Lori won't even have that kind of connection, obviously, that she can't mentor anybody. She can't build, have a purpose. That was a great purpose for me, that there was a lot of younger women there that I could mentor. Same as Clover. And Lori isn't going to have even that. And Jackie, how do you, how did you become that mom? You said you didn't even really know it. Is it kind of like a rite of passage and this woman felt comfortable enough to then refer to you as her mom, you as her mom? Well, she was a young kid. You know, I'm in my fifties and she was in her twenties and I had kids in my twenties and she would 
sleep away her day and I sit there and yell at her and say, get the hell up. You need a purpose. You know, I scream at her like I would my kids. Mm -hmm. And to see a a young kid just sleeping her way through prison instead of going to programs and educating herself would frustrate me. So then there came a time when she's like, all right, mom, I'm getting up. Just like I get my kids up to school, I would have to get her up in the morning. Well, I could I could use your help. I'm not a morning guy. Uh, Larry Levine, to you, Angela. Uh, do prisoners ever feel remorse for their victims? How long does it get used take to get used to prison life? And how do you make friends in the clank? Three different questions here, but uh, I figured that you could uh, kind of go over it here, Larry. Let's back up. Three kinds of people that are hated in prison: rats and formants, people that like to play with children, kiddie porn, and people that kill kids. Look at Whitey Bulger. Remember him? Yep. Turns out he was a rat. How long did he last when they transferred him? I believe they inmates put a screwdriver in his ear, pulled out his tongue with a pair of pliers, and took uh, some socks and locks, and they popped his head open like a watermelon. Okay? Jared Fogle, the subway guy. I'm not here to pump subway. But uh, child porn. Matter of fact, two of my clients beat him up in Sheridan when he got beat up. Mm. Shit happens. Let's jump down to Chris <laughs> Watts. Remember him in Colorado? Yeah. Killed his kids? Yeah. He's in protective custody, and he probably will be forever. And they had to move him out of state. It was too close. So this chick's got a target on her back. And whoever takes her out, and it will happen. I mean, they could make a knife out of a piece of glass, out of a toothbrush. There's, they could put glass in her food. You know, they could put the stuff in the sock. Boom. Pop her in the head. Whatever it is, she has to watch her back for the rest of her life. 100%. And could be the cops. The cops, you know what? Nobody likes. All right. In the feds, and it's probably like this in the state, you got all these people coming in for child pornography. They would claim they were there for financial fraud or selling weed or coke, something, which is a respectable crime as far as that goes on the inside. Well, they were trying to cover up what they were there for. And the cops, the uh, staff, were the ones that told the inmates what they were there for. Because the cops wanted to beat the shit out of them, and the cops couldn't do it. So they would tell us so we can handle business. And they further out them. This is even funnier. Uh, Jackie and Clover both know what the call-out sheet is. It's like a list of your appointments for the day, the next day. Well, they would take all the chomos, that's child molesters, some slang for you. And they'd put them all on the call-out to go to the same psych meeting. And everybody knew that was the Chomo meeting. So the prison actually outed them. And, you know, let's touch. Uh, I, I know I'm taking control again, but you wanted me to talk about remorse. Yeah. I don't see a lot of it. I Like I said, I run this Facebook group, BOP, prison, whatever it is. And I put a post on there the other day that I stopped going on. Jackie saw it. She's on the group. I stopped going on these feel-good groups because people are whiny. They talk about how prison ruined their life and how terrible it is, and it's not fair. 
But you don't see the people showing any remorse for the victims that they had, the money that they stole. And that really pisses me off. You know what? I was there for 10 years, 11 different places. Didn't quell, I cried one time when I talked to my daughter on the phone because she was crying. But other than that, I did my time. I broke the law. Matter of fact, I didn't even have anybody come pick me up when I got out. I got home on my own. I went in on my own. I came out on my own. I didn't need anybody for anything. This will freak Jackie and Clover out. Uh, I don't think I've ever told anyone this. I had three visits in 10 years because I didn't want anyone to come see me. And I went two years without making a phone call home because I didn't want to talk to anybody. I wanted to serve my time in my own way. I was doing time myself. I said, if somebody wants to get a hold of me, let them write a fucking letter. Then I can get a, then they can get a hold of me. Then we can talk. But am I remorseful for my crimes? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I hate what it did to my daughter. I went in a father, came out a grandfather. Hell, I got a 22-year-old grandson now. So prison does screw with the families. But you must take responsibility for your actions. And that's the bottom line. And these people just won't do it. And that pisses me off more than anything. And it's the short timers. I mean, you see people come in. They got like Clover got a 10-year sentence. That's a respectable sentence. Jackie did sometime. I'm not quite sure how much. <laughs> but Jackie is not a whiner. It was the short timers in custody that complained the most. And now you've got programs. Second Chance Act, First Step Act, you had the CARES Act. They just gave people more good time. There's some other programs, uh, Compassionate Release, that could get people out early. When I went in, there was only RDAP, the Residential Drug Abuse Program. You went in, you did your time, you took RDAP if you could, and you got out. There wasn't all these programs, and they're essentially coddling people. I mean, it's, I don't like to say that, but they are. A lot of these prisons have turned like into finishing schools for girls. And don't let don't let Larry's uh, tough exterior fool you. you. Just heard him say it himself. He cried when his daughter cried. So one, one time, just one, one time. time. No, uh, Jackie, to you. Um, question for our best guest: Did serving time in prison make you a better person, Jackie? I just talked to Clover about this this afternoon. Serving time did not make me a better person. The women that I served time with made me a better person. I needed a dose of reality and I needed to get off this merry ground round of that I was on. I kept trying to fix something, creating a new thing. I don't know where I'd be today if I didn't go to prison. So in some respect, I think that the punish, the pure punishment of prison is an unnecessary force. However, the rehabilitation the women that I met in prison helped me with was invaluable. And that to me, again, I agree with Larry. And I love Larry because he says what everybody's thinking and no one wants to say. <laughs> but he is right. I work with a lot of women as well that don't take responsibility. Lori Vallow, for an example, three years, she's, she hasn't said two words. And I wonder about that. I, I really do wonder. Jackie, what did, I wanted to ask you that. What did you make uh, 
at the at the reading of the verdict. She had her arms folded, um, didn't say a word, looked uh, indignant is the word I used. Um, what did you make of it? Is she the type of person that can be rehabilitated or no? I don't know if she could be re rehabilitated. I think that she needs to be deprogrammed. I mean, this, this cult that she was in, you know, with her arms, she's so, she's so closed with her arms folded like that. She has so much to hide saying not a peep for three years, not even, not even to defend anything to even help defend herself. I'm a mother. I can't imagine sitting in a courtroom hearing the graphic details of my children being found and how they were found and being accused of killing them and sitting there without anything, any look on my face. She has to have severe mental health yeah. issues. She, I can't imagine any mother being able to sit there and not react the way and, she I, and I want to get into that whole mental health issue in a moment. But first, uh, to uh, Dr. Clover Perez, uh, and I'm writing a note to remind myself of that. Um, Dreaming Cat Studio, uh, what will Lori's cell situation be like? Will she be alone? And what will her daily routine be like? Can she have a computer, TV, books, art supplies? Um, you can answer rel relative to where she is now in county and and or state, whichever you prefer, but she's in county right now. Well, so I'm not really familiar with um, the county jails or even state prison. I'm more so familiar with federal. But um, I think that, you know, for the first part, she will be alone. I don't believe that um, they would um, bunk her up with anyone. I think she will be alone. As far as um, computer, no. TV, probably in the in the rec room, books, yes, art supplies, probably for a while. Um, sh you know, she'll be able to have those things. I know this um, state they have um, iPads now, so she may be able to have that. But outside of that, I really don't know a lot about state um, and what um, that looks like for her. Clover, what's the deal with TV in prison? Do you get like the bunny ears with three channels and static or you get a decent picture? No, we get a decent um, picture. We do. But I usually stay away from this because I, I tell you, when we're in prison, there's a, a TV and the chairs and all of a sudden everyone take claim. This is mine. This is mine. And they fight over spots. And I'm like, OK, you know what? Nothing here belongs to me. Okay. So what I'm going to do, I am going to remove myself from that situation. You can have the TV, right? You can have the chairs. I know Jackie knows that, but everyone start claiming things and I don't want to claim anything in prison. I just want to go home. How do you, I'm going to get to Larry in a sec, but Clover, how do you make friends in prison? Um, is there any chance Lori will make friends, but how do you make friends? Because you've got to be careful, I guess, with who you're connecting with, right? Right, right. So, um, you know, women, I, I would say, are connectors, right? We connect with our children. We connect with our parents. We connect with our friends and spouse. So usually when you see a woman comes in, you automatically want to help that person. I don't see that as her situation because of her crime. I really don't. I can see someone really trying to hurt her. You know, I think that they may put her in um, segregation for a you know while until um, they put her out into open population. 
Um, it's going to be very, very difficult for her. I don't see her making friends. And as I said, even, you know, you have others there that may have committed the same crimes. They don't want to be friends with you at all. Right. They want to, um, denounce you, pretend that they didn't commit the same crime as well, but they don't even want to know you because they're dealing with their situation as well. So they don't want to group up, right? They want that separation. So for her, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be rough. And, and, and I was looking at her braids and I said, I think that she's getting prison, prison ready. <laughs> she definitely is. That's that's a prison yeah. look. Um, by the way, we are the future, as you can see here, good Wednesday morning from New Zealand. Uh, Larry, pull back the proverbial curtain. I know you're not going to hold back at all. Uh, what is her life going to be like um, in both county right now and then state? And then something you say, you said that you think she's going to be attacked. Absolutely. Is, is How long are memories in prison? Because right now everyone's talking about this. But 10 years from now, would someone well, okay, still look at it like this. Somebody comes in, they can blend in. They're just another inmate. She's high profile. She's all over the news. She's going to have this stigma follow her for the rest of her life. Somebody new gets into the system. Oh, that's Lori Vallow. Oh, yeah. Isn't she the one that killed her kids? She, county jail. Let's take a step back. County jail, you're locked in your cell most of the time. And you're really there to go to court. That's the whole purpose of it. Because once you're sentenced, theoretically, they send you to state prison unless you have under a year. Then they keep you, I don't know, in some of these county jails. So in the jail, she's not going to have a social experience. She's really not going to be meeting people. She's going to stay in her cell because she is a target. She's not going to be in general population. In a county jail setting, there is no TV in her cell. Maybe she's got some books. Maybe she's got some mail. Probably the uh, Bible thumpers gave her a Bible or something so she could repent to God. But that's really her life. She's not going to a dining hall. And they're bringing food to her. For all I know, medical may go to her. Or it's a possibility when they take her. Maybe they take her out of her cell to go to uh, health services. They may lock that housing unit down when they move her because they don't want anyone to get to her. She's not going to go into the shower with other inmates, which happens. It's kind of like being back in junior high school or something. They're not going to, she's not going to really have any contact with anybody other than staff who are going to hate her too. Remember, everybody has kids, grandchildren, nieces, nephews. For all we know, a staff member could take her out. We don't know. And I sincerely hope it happens and that she dies the most painful death possible. You know, that she could pot somebody gets medieval with her. You know what I'm talking about? She's got a long time ahead of her, too, because she also has to go to Arizona, right? Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. yeah. So she's and getting I, sentenced, then getting shipped. I was just well, watching Dr. Clover's reaction to Larry Levine saying he wants someone to get, because we've got Dr. Clover, obviously a woman of God here, a sweet woman. You got Larry Levine who just doesn't mince words. But what do, what do you think of that, Dr. Clover? You know, um, let's, so let me just share a little bit. So prior to my incarceration, my son was murdered. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, um, you know, by three young boys, um, the oldest being 19, the youngest being 16 years old. 
And that was, oh my God, that was devastating. I was going to their trial and I was going to my trial at the same time, you know? So it, it was, it's very, very difficult. However, I looked at it a little bit differently. Um, I said, you know, what, as a society, what could we have done to prevent this from happening, right? So we see, as I was telling Jackie, we see these kids and they're doing all kinds of things that we don't like, but we don't correct them. We don't try to find out what is happening in their lives, why they're doing this, right? So we just write them off and then this happens. They commit a crime, right? Like my son's death. So, um, but I had to come to a place where I removed myself from that and said, you know what, let me just look at the person. What may have led her to commit that crime? I hear how she's numb. She doesn't say anything. She just looks on, folding your hands, your arms, it's a barrier. That means that you're trying to keep someone out, right? She was in a cult. She was in a cult. So we have to also think about that. You know, what was going on in her mind? What was her, what was going really going on? And we have to look at that. We don't want to exclude that, right? Because things happen, right? We know people are brainwashed. We know what cults are. We know what they do. So we want to look at that and we want to show her some form of empathy. It's very, very important because we don't want to make her out as this person that killed her children and has no remorse. We don't want to look at it like that because people in pain, when I was, when my son passed away, everyone looked to me and I found while I was at the funeral, like I kind of like stepped out of my own body, right? To be the strong person for everyone else and dealing with that, dealing with my trial, I'd never had the ch a chance to grieve. So I was very stoic. I was, I was so reserved, like I didn't want to deal with anything. So, but eventually if she has a heart and I believe that she does, she's going to have a break. She's going to have a break and that's going to be a terrible time for her because then she's going to realize what she really did. And I agree. Yeah. I agree. And, and Clover, I'm sorry, Jackie. Do you think that she can have like, a, as they say, like a come to Jesus moment coming from a Jewish guy here, but do you think she can have a come to Jesus moment where she does understand the gravity of what she is now convicted of doing? I wouldn't necessarily come to Jesus. I would say come to sense. <laughs> I guess that's what I would say. Come to sense moment yeah. that she realized really what she did. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, Jackie, did you want to add to that? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I just, we have heard one side of everything. We have not heard one thing from the other side. We don't know what's in Lori Vallow's head. We don't know what she's thinking. We don't know what she thinks, she feels. We don't know what reality of what happened. All we know is that her children were killed heinously. I mean, they were, I, I can't even think about how they were killed. And- all she keeps saying is there's a reason for everything. And it makes me look at her and, and I know it's terror. It's hard to say this as a mother to have empathy for a woman who did this terrible crime, but we just don't know one side of this entire story. And I'm not one to say, okay, my perspective is A. I need to see a whole picture. And we just can't see the whole picture on this. We just can't. 
Uh, Larry, I know you want to chime in, but let me give you this, toss up this comment to you as well. Jamie Goddess Art says, I hope they don't go on and on about Lori's mental health or if she's crazy or if she feels bad. So pointless. Uh, it might be pointless, but uh, there is something called a pre-sentencing investigation, Larry yes, Levine. Um, she's sitting in jail awaiting her sentencing and they have to go through her criminal record, her mental health. They also have to do, a, from what I understand, a mental health, mental health evaluation. I never understand. Uh, my dad was a psychiatrist. My mother's a social social worker. What are they going to do, speaking of mental health, to see? I mean, she's obviously not all there, but what, what do these tests kind of consist of? I'm not the mental health care professional here, <laughs> but PSR, probation sentencing report, probation sentencing report. The PSI is the investigation, pre-sentence investigation. PSR, I don't want to say it goes from day one. But it goes to the point from when you're a child and they work their way through your life, junior high school, high school, work experience, military experience. They discuss things with your family and they do send you for psychological evaluations. And they're doing that essentially to try to classify you for placement in what institution you should go to. That's the whole reason for it. And then they're going to break the crime down. If you look at, let's say, a plea agreement, plea agreement is between you and the executive branch of government. It's not, the court really isn't a party to it. So you could sign a plea, and I advise some of my clients, why are you signing this? You're not getting any benefit of this. You could get the same sentence just pleading out. So the probation office who writes this report comes in, and they will break that fucking crime down right to the footnote, and they'll assign a point and offense level value. This goes to the judge. The judge will use this as a basis to sentence someone. Now, the court, okay, the, uh, there's a plea agreement that there's an agreement between the prosecutor and the defense, but then the defense gets to file what's called a sentencing memorandum where they're going to put their position on paper why Lori should be given straight probation and sent home. Ha ha. Then the prosecutor is going to write a, a sentencing memorandum, and they're going to come up with what kind of sentence she should get. Then you're going to have the PSR come in. Now the judge has to look at all this shit and figure out, well, gee, what sentence am I going to give her? And a lot of it is the law clerks. There's different kind of clerks in the courtroom. You have the court clerks that handle the paperwork and all the bullshit. Then you have the law clerks that actually review everything. And they give the judge a recommendation. And it's really the judge that has the final say as far as what kind of sentence that she's going to get. And everybody is trying to sway the judge's opinion. I mean, the lady whacked her kids. This cult didn't tell her to off her children. She went off the fucking deep end on this. There's rumors maybe she killed two of her husbands or something. Yeah, by the way, we're getting news now that she has been uh, formally indicted uh, for the attempted murder of Brandon Boudreaux. Big deal. They'll send her, look, yeah. they'll give her a concurrent sentence. Arizona will come in. They'll, yeah. they'll hold this big trial. They'll waste all this money. Arizona will send her back to Idaho. 
because Arizona gets their conviction and they don't have to pay for the cost of incarceration. So it's really all a hoax. The whole thing is. Larry, how does that, how do they decide where, uh, let's assume, because she's also being, uh, uh, going to be tried for uh, conspiracy to commit murder against her fourth husband, Charles Ballow. Let's just say, assume she gets convicted on both those uh, charges, both uh, Brandon Boudreau. Um, how do they decide if she's convicted where she does her time? She would rather do it, I'm sure, in Arizona, but she was convicted first in Idaho. Uh, but how is maybe, that decided? Hey, maybe they'll split the custody. Maybe she'll stay in Idaho and uh, Arizona will subsidize it. That's a good question. I, I don't have an answer for that. I'm Jewish. You'll see got an answer for everything. <laughs> I don't know. That's something. Okay, here's an answer for you. Christopher Watts, although he didn't have charges in two states, perhaps they'll send her to a third state. Or, yeah, they'll send her. They could send her to fucking Kansas or Wyoming somewhere where she does well. She'll still have a target on her back. But... Uh, she won't have angry staff members there, not as angry. And, you know, as far as this rehabilitation, it's bullshit. These people that commit these crimes, I see it just from the people in my BOP federal prison group, CARES Act, whatever I called it. People are repeat offenders. They're committing crimes over and over and over again. In the federal system, and I don't know if they do this in the state. For people that like kitty porn and child molestation, I'm going to get a little graphic here. They put something called a penile bathysmograph on their penis. Have you heard of this? They no. put sensors, and then they flash pictures of naked children to see if these people become aroused. I didn't believe this when I was told this, but this is true. So is it a mental thing? Is it a desire? I don't know. My honest belief is that you can send these people to these groups as many times as you want. It's not going to cure them. I'm a firm believer in two-by-four therapy. You know what that is? You beat the shit out of them with a two-by-four and you tell them, you do this again, we're going to come at you twice as hard. Because now they have something to remember, don't they? Maybe some broken ribs, whatever it is. So Larry, no time Larry, out, Larry. No Larry, time out. Larry. You know what? I don't have a problem with people that... All right, back in the day, Bernie Madoff, not long after I got out of custody, is when Bernie Madoff shit kicked off. That's probably what got me into the media, because I was all over. I was on CNN, I don't even know how many times. I wouldn't help Bernie Madoff, because I didn't approve of his crime. If he had went after insurance companies and banks and such, all right, you did what you did. I don't have a problem with that. He went after people's retirement and individual people. And that's not on the Larry Levine approved crime list. <laughs> you want to go and you want to defraud an institution that's probably, who are the biggest crooks out there are the banks and the insurance companies anyway. So people are getting over on them. But if you want to go after individual people, I have a problem with it. I won't even take clients that do that. I only want people that ripped off institutions. That's all I want. My Real mom's going to yell. I don't Carmelo, want petty scammers. Carm's going to yell at me, but my whole life I've been going to the synagogue. You meet accountants, lawyers, doctors, nice Jewish Please. boys. 
this is why I love Larry Levine. Him and I are the, the black sheep. My mom's going to say, don't stereotype Jewish people. But so I love Larry Levine. Him and I went down uh, different paths. I was uh, in the media uh, struggling to survive, and uh, Larry Levine was in prison struggling to survive. Uh, now he's in the media struggling now, to survive. Now he's in the media struggling to survive. I love it. Um, Sarah, friend of the show, how is it different dealing with prisoners without the possibility of recidivism how are they dealt with differently? So Jackie, she's basically asking a great question, which is Lori more than likely, although she hasn't been sent, so we have to be a little careful, will never see the light of day again. The people in prison who never will, um, do they have what's their purpose? I mean, how do you deal with them? Because they've kind of got that proverbial nothing to lose attitude, right? They aren't dealt with any differently. Because prison isn't about rehabilitation anyway. Yeah. It's about pure punishment. So they aren't setting people up for success. They're setting, when you go to prison and you, you are set up for failure to recidivate. Um, it's a life sentence, regardless whether you come home or not. Um, for an example, I've been home eight years. I'm still, get, I got subpoenaed last week by the government to bring in my financial statements because they want more money from me. So this is a life sentence for me and they will be doing this for the next 20 years of my life. Not saying that I'm not complaining. I owe money. I took a mortgage on my house. I owe the money, but um, there's no set for anybody in any crime to rehabilitate. So Lori's only purpose would be to give back to the inmates that she's with, which she can't do, like I said before, because nobody's going to accept it. No one will accept her to be part of their culture. Inside. Yeah, the inside prison. She, she just, and everybody needs to have a purpose. There's people that live fulfilling lives inside prison because they give back and they educate people and they teach and they, I can't see Lori having any kind of, purpose right now. Like Clover said, possibly further down the line, if she has a the Larry Levine hit over the head <laughs> with the two by four and comes to some realization, that, yeah. that may change. But right now, I don't see it. Couple important comments here. Gerald McRill, congrats to all three guests for turning their lives around, followed by KCL, who's a Friend of the show in Salt Lake City, I have so much respect for these guests for vulnerably sharing their stories of crime with us to help us better understand what Lori might go through. I honor them for their resiliency in rising above. I think that is very important. And uh, Jackie and I had a brief conversation offline, and it is important to uh, treat all guests with respect, but especially these guests, because uh, they've been to hell and back, and they're making uh, lives uh, for themselves. By the way, Clover, without getting too deep and heavy, are you able to forgive uh, these people that murdered your son? Have you? Is that something that you've uh, a bridge that you've even crossed? Yes, I did. Um, wow. As a matter of fact, um, when they were being sentenced, um, one of the the oldest guy that actually pulled um, the trigger that killed my son, he was um, being sentenced to life in prison. Um, without parole, and I spoke and I asked for leniency, and he was given 25 years to life. Wow, that that takes a special woman. I don't, Larry. I don't want to speak for you. I don't think you would do that, would you, Larry? They, all I can say is that if somebody hurt one of my kids or grandchildren, 
they better hope the cops get to them before I do. Let's yeah. just leave it at that. I think men think very differently. My, I was telling Clover this, my husband's brother was murdered when he was 19 in a drug related situation. And his best friend who was also 19 is the one who murdered him. And he got 30 years with no possibility of parole. Now he's now 40 something years old and he's ready to come home in five years. My husband will never forgive him. I have a very different perspective on this kid who was 19 coming home at 40 year old man, not knowing even how to use a cell phone, a computer who was on drugs and committed this horrible crime. So I think that women tend to have a different perspective in general than men with, with that regard. And it's, it's a bit of contention with me and my husband because we're completely on two different sides of that. And, you know, I think that for me, I looked at the age of these kids that committed the crime. Had they been probably older, I may not have asked for forgiveness, right? Um, and leniency, um, but the age. They were around the same age as my son. And had it been my son um, that took someone's life, I would want someone to um, to show him compassion, right? Um, so I had to look at that. It, but it really wasn't easy. So I don't want to come off and make it seem like it wasn't e it was easy. It really wasn't. It was just to look at what if the shoe were on the other foot, what would I have wanted for my son? Uh, Larry, to you, we've got uh, Detective Phil Waters on the show every Friday. He's investigated 400 homicides uh, as a retired now Houston homicide uh, detective. He's not investigating me, is he? Not that I'm, at least not yet. At least not yet. Usually um, when somebody says that, I think, oh God, the FBI is at the door. Okay. Yeah, not yet. Keep yourself clean, Larry. I need you as a guest. Um, but my question to you is kind of a big open one. Why don't more criminals think about the repercussions of their crime? I was talking about that with my wife just the other day. And what is she the answer? That. People will plan crimes and they don't think about how to successfully carry their crimes out because people that commit crimes are sloppy. They're, they're insecure people. They're sloppy people. They're trying to cut corners and eventually they will get caught. They will. And I guess it's like the rush of the moment. Look at my crimes, narcotics trafficking, securities fraud, racketeering, obstruction of justice, machine guns. I didn't need the money. I didn't. I've asked myself several times, why did I do this? It was for the rush. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy working with criminals. I really do. And now I work with criminals in a legal manner. Matter of fact, uh, Jackie knows about this. I was just recently appointed by the federal court system as a sentencing mitigation expert no joke, where they will bring me in to talk to people that have what's called a CJA lawyer, an appointed lawyer, to give my, they pay me $125 an hour to give my opinion, no joke, on not necessarily what somebody should do, because people don't trust their lawyers. They don't. I, I get that. But they trust me because I don't bullshit. 
I have uh, outlaw motorcycle clubs. You know, the ones that wear the patches on their backs. I'm not going to name drop. They don't trust their lawyers, but they come to me because they know that I'm going to give them the straight fucking information. And that's what people need. I have people that are, remember, I was a criminal planner before I went into custody. That's planning crimes for people. I have people that call me today, earlier today. You know, telling me about their crime, and I listen. I go, you know what? Good for you. That's wonderful. I'm not involved in that anymore. And I think the FBI is listening in on my phone line, so I wouldn't call back if I were you. Jackie, <laughs> Jackie. I do this just to, like, tweak yes. them. I don't want to know. I tell people all the time, please. And I know there's cops watching, federal agents, whoever. They're trolling your show. I tell Everyone's watching our show. Please don't tell me. Plausible deniability. I don't want to know. I got a good, clean life. I'm running my business. I've got a lot of good friends that I I do. I was just in New York and Connecticut last month. I spent a couple days with Jackie and her husband. We went to Times Square, Central Park. We did some stuff. I've got a circle of friends. I've got a good life. I don't need to commit crimes. I can live vicariously through my clients. And get paid legal money for doing it. And it's all out in the open. Hey, Jackie. Obviously, Larry Levine is a very uh, bright, smart guy. A bright bulb. Um, he could have probably been a Johnny Cochran-level attorney, this guy. But uh, he chose a life of crime. Do you find that there are a lot... I feel like a lot of criminal minds are actually very bright. Did you find that? Um, did you meet a lot of smart people who are just on the wrong side of the fence? Yeah, it's amazing. Some of the women I work with and... I think to myself, if they all the time and input they put into their crime, if they put it into something else, how incredible they could have done incredible things. However, I have to disagree with Larry on something. I don't think all people commit crimes because they're sloppy or I think a lot of people in, in, in my arena with women are people pleasers they don't know how to say no. They're caregivers. They get their back to the wall and they know how to fix things. And they fix things just to fix them. They don't worry about what they're what they're doing. In my case, I fixed a situation and then I had to go back and fix that. And it was a crime. And I knew it was a crime. I take full responsibility for that. And I don't think that I was lazy or sloppy by the way I committed my crime meticulously. <laughs> um, but um, but I did do it because I needed to fix the situation. And I think that happens with a lot of women. Again, the gender differences a lot of the times with women. And um, I just want to say to Janet, who asked the question, Yes, Lori will have a Wi-Fi enabled tablet in state prison. Wow. And I don't understand that because federal prison. No, they have them now, Jackie. They're, do they in federal? They are oh, giving wow. them out to the inmates. The whole thing is the thought of the television. Why is there a TV? It's an electronic babysitter. Yeah. Now we have something we can take away from you if you're acting up or you're bad. Yeah. We have these tablets. I read somebody's comment. Matter of fact, it's on the bottom of the screen about Murdoch having a Wi-Fi yeah, enabled yeah. tablet. Well, they're really going to the she, 
Yeah, so she's really going to have access. Can she FaceTime her family? Probably. But they will take it away if she's using it to commit new crimes. That's the criteria. It's kind of like in the feds with phone calls. You get 300 minutes. You can really call whoever you want. But they listen in on every call. So they're going to watch every one of her fucking videos. Yeah, I I email with all of the women that I work with in the state prison. If it turns out you're doing something illegal, they'll block that person. If Jackie does something illegal with one of her clients who's inside, they'll block her from communicating with anybody. And then what they'll do is they'll pull that person's phone privileges, email privileges, whatever it may be. And keep in mind as well, they make money off this. The prisons get subsidized. Two companies, there's a company called Global Tell Offender Connect, that provides tablets. And there's another company called Securus. Mm-hmm. And they provide these tablets. And then the institution, they rent the tablets to the inmates. So now they have reoccurring revenue. And that money's supposed to go into the inmate trust fund, but the staff, the institution uses it to pay the salaries of staff members and for staff Christmas parties and all this other bullshit. It's like when you go to the commissary, they mark things up 30%. That's the federal markup. I worked in the commissary warehouse at Lompoc for about a year. So I know this. And when you buy laundry detergent, they'll sell you some bullshit knockoff bag of laundry detergent. I'm sure the ladies can attest to this. Something you've never heard of before. And it's overpriced. And the reason why it is because they have to mark it up. They're mandated to do that. They go and they get like tennis shoes that are three years old. You know, like last year, the year before his model, they mark them up and they sell them to the inmates. So billions and billions of dollars are made every year by charging the inmates for whatever it is they're going to get. The thing is, though, that that prisons were made for men, right? So commissary... The things that women can buy on commissary, even the T-shirts, anything that they buy is is made for men. Made for men. Yeah. Well, no, I've seen on commissary sheets they have they have women's lists. When you get to an like Victorville, I've seen their commissary sheet just recently. They've got a women's camp on the outside. It's the same commissary sheet, so they have a woman's exclusive uh, like area. I don't know. Maybe a dude on the inside could buy tampons if he wanted to. Who knows? Yeah, but- that's really the only thing. And 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 personal products such as tampons are very expensive. They're they're supposedly supposed to give away pads, but they keep they humiliate women so bad that in order to get a sanitary pad, you have to actually go to the correctional officer to ask them for it. Really? Yeah. And, you know, also when I was incarcerated and you have other um, incarcerated individuals coming from other um, federal prison, we would compare commissary lists. Some of the things that were sold in Danbury or the other prison were not sold where we were at. So, you know, it depends on, um, you know, Larry said that the commissary list is basically the same, not always because you have certain things. But one of the things that you said, what I love about the sneakers. So when I was in Danbury, 
you see commissary selling these knockoff sneakers. And I was like, are you for real? And if we had was outside and sold these knockoff, we'll be in prison. But they're selling us these knockoff sneakers. So that was I love I love Doc Clover's Brooklyn accent shining through. It reminds me of my days working at Fox 5. MC Spunky, uh, speaking of men and women in prison, husband number six is going to be a chick for Lori. Maybe. Um, She's going to be in PC, protective custody. Yeah. But, She's but, not going to have the contact. I disagree. Eventually she will. She you will. really think they're going to put her in general population? Eventually. Not right away. I don't okay, believe they will Jesus put her in will general population We've right only away. been waiting 2,000 fucking years. They're never, <laughs> they're never, ever, ever going to put this woman in general population. How many years has it been from Chris Watts and Scott Peterson? You think they're going to put them in GP? They're not going to do it. Larry Levine, how long does Chris Watts last in, in Gen Pop? Um, he'll be dead before the end of the day. Wow. Wow. Imagine being him. Wow. Child molesters. People with kiddie porn, they get a pass. They do. They may get beat up. No one's killing them. People that are rats, I mean, they may get a pass. Whitey Bulger, though, it didn't take... He wasn't even supposed to be there. There was no reason to move them, to move him. They wanted him dead. They throw this 80-whatever-year-old man in a cell. He's in a wheelchair. They leave the door unlocked. Three other inmates know he's coming, and this guy's dead, what, two, three hours after he got there? Wow. Well, Epstein. Look at Epstein. Yeah. Epstein. That's right. Yeah, scary. Um. Jackie, I want to. I've been meaning to ask this question since the very get go. So right now, Lori is sitting in the Madison County Jail in Madison County, Idaho, and she's got to wait like three months for sentencing. What is? They say waiting is the hardest part. Is it? What What is that wait like? Yeah, it, it really is because it's the unknown. Well, in her case, she knows she's not going home. So. I really couldn't say in her normal people the waiting portion of it is the most excruciating because of the unknown. In Lori's situation, I don't consider her a normal person. I mean, she's just sitting there by herself reading, not even speaking. Right now, I don't think her son's even speaking to her. So she doesn't even have family to call. So for her, it's just purposeless waiting. She's talking to the walls. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine sitting there. She doesn't do exercise. She doesn't do any kind of artwork. She just is sitting with no purpose in life. And that is, um, yikes. I mean, I, I can't even think about it. Because Jackie, I mean, what, about, what about Andy's a friend of the show here? During her trial, she was taking more notes per reports on days it seemed Chad was being brought up. I think she's communicating via family, his kids. Do you think she's having contact? Uh, I, I think the court ordered that she doesn't, but is it possible that she is having contact with Chad? Yeah, absolutely. How? I think. I think so. I mean, think about it. We were, we were in Danbury, and there was a men's FCI prison down the hill. We had a woman who, and Clover will know who this is, who was having a relationship with one of the men down at the FCI and, and writing, <laughs> writing mail back and forth. 
she put a picture in of her in her yeah. uniform in there, sent it to the guy. And so, so she ended up getting caught. There's always a way I have, um, there's phone trees. There is a way I have women that have other women that contact me so I can let their family know they're okay. I really believe she is speaking to Chad. She thinks he's God. She thinks Chad is God. Speaking of that, uh, Sarah asks, are people that meet up for church in prison, um, to you, Clover, will Lori, if she still is a believer, which by all accounts it seems like she is, would she be able to start her own sort of church yeah, for, for her own uh, beliefs? And I mean, even though she might be the only one, but can she start something in in uh, in, in jail or prison? No, I don't believe that she can start her own church. No, I don't believe that at all. <laughs> <laughs> and let me ask you something. What about the fact that she is a cult member? Some people are, are I see in the chats, they're likening it to being a member of like, let's say the Aryan nation. But what about coming into prison as a, you know, as a cult member, which she is believed to be? Well, yeah. So I would think that, um, you know, that's going to be very difficult because they don't have any religion that in prison, that occult religion. So I think that will be very, very difficult. People may also be scared of her as well. You know, that's another thing um, you have to look at that they may be very, very scared of her. Um, I think she will be so limited, extremely, extremely limited for a very long time. So they may have, they may ask her if she wants to speak to someone from clergy, right? Or the religious department or whether it may be a chaplain or what, or outside um, um, minister, they may ask her that. It depends on what she says. And if she says yes, then they will afford her that. Uh, Jackie, to you, Barbara Kern says, hey, everyone, does anyone know how often women inmates are permitted to take a shower and wash their hair? Apparently, Lori has not been washing her hair too frequently, hence the braids. Uh, what is the answer to that, Jackie? Well, if she was in right now, because she's in county, she has different um, rules and regulations than she would normally in prison. In, in prison, you could take a shower every single day. You're actually expected to take a shower every day. If you don't get out of bed and take a shower every every day, other inmates could turn you in. And yeah, there, there's a big problem with it. In her case, she's most likely let out once every three days mm -hmm. to take a shower. Um, so hence the braids could be that she's just not uh, wanting to deal with her hair, which would be smart, uh, to put it in the braids, but cleanliness is important. She needs to continue to keep up her personal hygiene, especially because of the other inmates surrounding her. Uh, Larry, to you, um, I know you're not a defense attorney, but you help criminals. Um, if you were advising Chad Daybell uh, as to his defense in in his upcoming trial, the you know the ex or current husband, I guess, uh, what would you say to him? Because uh, apparently Lori got upset with her defense attorney that they tried to throw Chad under the bus in in uh, her closing arguments. Uh, do you think Chad turns on her? If you had a guess. I would tell him to begin with not to talk to anyone. Cut off all communication with her. She's going to get him into trouble. She's never getting out, and she knows it. And she's going to want to take him down with her. 
So if I was him, remember, they already have her. She's not going anywhere forever. But it's like in some situations, you could testify against people and provide information. The government already knows. And they'll give you the benefit of that. They call it a 5K1 in the feds or Rule 35, where you'll get the benefit of cooperation and you will or you can, I shouldn't say will, because, again, it's up to the judge. You can get the benefit of a reduced <laughs> sentence. So there's a possibility. Something I want to backpedal on, a lot of times in a prison they have, let's say there's separation, different housing units, different cell blocks, but the clergy show up. They have, they have like one main clergyman, whatever, but then they have other religions. They will, in a lot of circumstances, take people of the same religion from different cell blocks and housing units to all meet at the same time to go to religious services. So now you're interacting with people you wouldn't have normally interacted with on a regular basis. And I saw communications being passed in that manner. Another thing that's done, these ladies have probably never heard of this. They, they're in Danbury, Connecticut at a camp. Okay, not trying to put you guys down. All right, Robert was not always at the camp. Not okay. always at the camp. All right, I'm gonna backpedal. Okay, you guys know what those word search puzzles are, where they got the letters going to so the right, to the left, mm -hmm. and all this nonsense. Imagine if you wrote a letter and you put it in a word search puzzle. Wow, I had several puzzles sent in. And there's like a whole fucking letter in there. There's a whole plan to commit crime in there. The staff has no idea. They're probably going to prohibit that going in now since I said that. Just things. You can get communication in. I remember back in the day where they would have yellow pages in the prison. I don't even know if those exist anymore. So the inmates could contact lawyers. But meanwhile, right in the back of the yellow pages, they had maps of the surrounding area. And people that wanted to escape, I used to point them to the uh, to the library. I go look in the yellow page, reach out and touch someone. So there are ways to get things done. And now in a lot of places, they have cell phones. The cell phones weren't in institutions when I was there because they were new. But inmates communicate. There's probably, all right, I would bet my right arm on this. There are inmates right now who are in custody with an illegal Android or iPhone that are watching this show. People, if you are, go ahead and comment. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm serious. I get people that call me Please from do. prison. And I go, well, what are you? Are you at a camp? Are you on a furlough? No, I'm inside. I'm not talking about people that are just in a camp. I got people calling me from USP Atlanta. Well, they and have everybody the knows about you guys know about USP Atlanta. <laughs> it's like, how do you get these phones in there? It's the staff, the staff members. The staff yes. members. When I was at Lompoc, they found three kilos of heroin in the dentist office <laughs> on the inside. Now, what did somebody shove that up their butt and bring it in? They keistered it. The staff brought it in. The staff. These motherfuckers are more corrupt in a lot of cases than it's the inmates great. are. They belong inside themselves. Yeah. And um, they operate, I don't want to say with impunity, because you've got internal affairs, you have the inspector general, you have the OPR people don't know about, 
the Office of Professional Responsibility. So if you really need to, you can fuck these people, but you just have to know how to go about doing it. Well, Larry, I'm never speaking to you on your phone ever again. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I would never do that. Um, what is this? Hey, look at me. Look at me. That's a good name. Um, Jackie, to you, commissary primer, primer, as they say, what beauty products are available? Uh, example, makeup, hair color, food items. What can you buy uh, in that commissary to make yourself look pretty? Well, the makeup is wet and wild. <laughs> 99 <laughs> cents. It, 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 well, the women know what wet and wild is. It's the 99 cent uh, foundation, which is why Lori looks so colorful with her um, her foundation on. <laughs> color for hair color, you're not allowed. I was I, I did really well because you're not allowed to buy blonde color if you are not blonde so women would pay me to be to buy blonde hair color but you can buy hair color i think it's clair clairol it's clairol, the one yes. that brings out the red in your hair so everybody's walking around with red blonde hair um lipstick it's just the cheap red dark colors that um is 99 cents that you can buy not a lot on commissary to make you look very pretty and not like you should be working on the street corner for $12 an hour. And Jackie, what a lot of people are asking this question. So obviously, well, this trial wasn't televised, but let's say Alec Murdoch, some of these high profile trials, are inmates on the inside able to watch these high profile trials? Yes. Yeah. Wow. And do they? Is there an interest in that? Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Wow. They fight over watching the television. Yeah. So Jerry Springer, Cops, and all these shows. Dr. Like Phil. Dr. Phil. They were the most popular shows. And this is funny. When I was locked up at MDCLA, that uh, they were running cops all the time. And I had all these gangbangers that were in my housing unit. And they were running cops like in L.A., the show. And these people knew the people the cops were chasing. Look, they're going by Willie's house and such. And it was just the funny, oh, there's a dead end there. You know, they're going to catch him there. Inmates have access to the TV. Inmates get Newsweek magazine. They get USA Today. They get all the publications. And then you've got an overpriced radio, okay, that maybe you'd buy it at a fucking swap meet for $5. Well, the prison is going to conveniently sell that to you. What, ladies, for 20 or 20? Yeah. Oh, you've got your skill. Okay. <laughs> I gave you that when I was there. Okay. They're going <laughs> to sell you a radio, an overpriced radio that you could get somewhere else for five bucks for $25. Wow. So the inmates can listen in. When I was in Safford, Arizona, middle of the night, I was able, and Joel, you lived in L.A., so you'll know what this is. I was able to listen to KNX News Radio, 1070. Remember them? Yeah. In the middle of the night, and it made me feel just a little bit closer to home. So you can listen to things. Absolutely. See what a sweet guy Larry is. He was homesick, too. El Rose, uh, how long till Lori's in the church, uh, Clover, and reading Bible study? But first this. Uh, from Cynthia Keith. Larry is fun. I sense an anger issue, but a mild one. Please don't be offended. Not even a mild one. It's just, uh, we call that, uh, I don't know what we call that. Just enthusiasm. But uh, Clover, to you, um, 
to you, will she end up in church, uh, you know, as a, uh, I don't know, refinding God or finding God again or finding God in a different way, do you think? Hmm, That's interesting. I really don't know. (laughs) I don't think that she will be in, in church for a long time. However, she will definitely will be offered a Bible. Definitely. Ned Smith Smith says, I'm glad Carm is not here, but trust me, she curses more than Larry. She's listening right now. She'll deny it, but I'm writing the book. So I've got the proof because I'm recording everything I uh, discuss with her. Tina says, "Um, are there men workers in women prisons, Jackie? Yeah, Yeah, of course. Of course. And the correctional officers are are men. We have... um, the, yeah, the staff members are men. The thing about it is, is women, however, are paid to keep the prison up. The women are the groundskeepers. The women are the plumbers, the electricians, and the boss of those women's are actual union members that are in those crafts in uh, plumbing, in electrics, and they teach women and the women take care of the men's prisons as well. Yeah. And Jackie, Debbie's asking, do the inmates know from television who Lori is? How does word get around? Sure. I mean, this is so high profile, but is it from TV or is it just from talking? How do they find out? TV, magazines, newspapers, they have it all. They they see everything. Huh. Um, Larry Levine, uh, there's obviously already, uh, it hasn't happened yet, but you can be sure it will, an appeals process. Is that uh, just sort of false hope? In the uh, at least for Lori Vallow, okay, yes, yeah, she is by law mandated. You can appeal any sentence you want. She was convicted by a jury, I believe it was a jury, it wasn't just the judge. Yeah, it was a jury. <clears throat> so, is she going to appeal her sentence or is she going to appeal her conviction? There's no question the kids are dead. So, appealing the conviction, forget about it, appealing the sentence. State laws mandate that the judges have discretion as far as giving you whatever amount of time. I'm sure, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that the law states that somebody that kills two of her children or kills two people and is found guilty will get a life sentence. But at the same time, she can appeal it. I mean, what does she have to lose? Maybe she'll get a trip to court every day. She'll get to go back to a county jail for appeal appellate proceedings. If it was me, I would just give it up. I would stay in the prison I'm at. I would immerse myself into the prison environment and go on with whatever shitty life I have left. Going to court is no fun. Being in a county jail is no fun. There's not a lot of things to do in a county jail. And when they get you up at 4 o'clock in the morning in a county jail to go to court, and they put you, they shackle you, belly chain, black box, and all this, where you're immobilized, throw you on a bus, they take you from the jail to the courthouse. And there's other people that are on that bus with you, but she's going to be separated. So she's not even going to be in a holding cell where she can bullshit with the other inmates that are going through trial. So now she's got to wait there all day because they bring everyone back at once. So let's say somebody's proceedings don't finish up until 6 o'clock that evening. So now she's got to go through the process again of getting chained up, getting searched, 
leaving the courthouse, going back to the jail. Now she's re-entering a correctional institution. So now she has to go through that same process again. So maybe she'll get back to her housing unit at 8 or 9 o'clock in the evening. She's got to have her dinner. And before you know it, she's tired. She's been up all day. It's lights out. <clears throat> now they're going to wake her ass up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Because she's got to go back to court and leave at 4 o'clock the next morning. So it's like a vicious cycle of what they run you through. So I think an appeal for her is a waste of time. But she's legally mandated. She can do it. Maybe the lawyer. I mean, I hate. I don't want to bag on lawyers because I'm working doing some shit for lawyers now. Lawyers give people false hope. They say, well, we've got a good shot. You know, yeah, they've got a good shot filing it, but how about the term prevailing? You have a very, very low likelihood of prevailing on any legal proceeding. There's a big difference between being efficient and effective. That lawyer very efficiently drew that motion up, and it's great, and the court accepted it. But effectively, is the court going to rule in her favor? What do you think? Definitely not. But it's no. been a pleasure to be part of the Larry Levine show. And Maybe I want to thank uh, Clover Perez for joining us on the Larry Levine show. She is a motivational speaker, activist, entrepreneur, founder, and executive director of a beautiful heart ministries. They share their story of uh, recovery from humiliation and turning their pain into purpose after uh, she served time in federal prison. I can tell just by looking at Clover that she has got a good heart. You heard that she uh, asked for leniency in her own son's murder, which takes a special person to do that. Uh, so thank you for joining us, Dr. Clover Perez. Uh, Stephanie has a final question. Will Lori be allowed sock puppets? Um, it's kind of, it's a, it's so, if you follow the case as closely as we did, uh, a former uh, county inmate said that the one time she saw Lori Vallow, she was had made sock puppets and was talking to herself with them. Um, so see, she's not alone. She's, she's not alone. <laughs> Followed by this from coffee cake, uh, Dr. Clover, and just your final thoughts. Are you able to read romance novels in, uh, in jail? Fifty Shades of Grey was the biggest book at the time. <laughs> and my God, yeah. Everybody yeah. and their brother had to read that Every book. <laughs> Um, what, what do you see ahead uh, in your crystal ball for Lori Vallow? Is there any hope for this person in any way? I don't mean getting out, but in reclaiming some sense of reality in her world. I pray that um, she does. I pray that um, she comes to some type of realization of what she did, right? And I think that when she does, she may have a break a terrible nervous breakdown in prison. It's going to be very, very difficult for her. I can also see her exhausting every possible avenue there is to get out of prison. So she will be definitely in the law library more than she's with the Bible. I can say that to get out. Um, it's, a, it's just a sad situation because there's children involved and who wants to um, hear that um, a mother um, takes the life of their children. No one wants to hear that, you know. I think that there is some type of mental impairment with her. Um, and the only thing that we can do is just 
pray that, um, you know, she understands what she did and be, be remorseful of what she did and just accept that this is what happened. You know, you took your child's life and this is what's happening and just, just sit in it, just sit in it. She needs to sit in it until she realized what she did. Well put. Uh, Larry Levine, the host, the new host of the show, was arrested by an FBI Secret Service-led organized crime task force charged with racketeering, securities fraud, obstruction of justice, and narcotics trafficking. All lies. But he served <laughs> his time. He served his time at 11 federal correctional institutions uh, of all different security levels. He's now rehabilitated. He is the founder and CEO of Wall Street Prison Consultants, and he goes by the name Paige Matthews. Uh, he Larry Levine commented that she needs to be disemboweled. This sounds exactly like Larry Levine. Call me, 855-5-PRISON. <laughs> That's really my number. We can discuss that. Hey, I just got a message on my phone that News Nation wants me, me exclusively on for sentencing day for Lori Vallow. They don't want me to go on any other show except Ashley Banfield. Well, I'm going to be your consultant, uh, Larry Levine, even though you just did my show for free for an hour and a half. Tell them to pay up. They've got a lot, hell of a lot more money than me. And what do you see, uh, what does Lori's future look like, her bright future in your eyes? Her bright future? Well, I suppose if she makes two sock puppets, she'll have two friends. She has no future. She's going to be sitting in her cell in protective custody. They call it PC. She's not going in general population. If I was her, I'd just kill myself. I really would. She should hang herself. You know, people used to say, and we would, the inmates, we would discuss this all the time. I don't time. mean to laugh. I'm sorry. Well, it's just we the way Larry says We killing ourselves all the time, but we would discuss what we would do if we got a life sentence and the general consensus. People say, well, that's no way to live. I would just off myself. So maybe she should do the taxpayers a favor and just kill herself. And people will get, I, I assure you, Clover may not agree to this because she, Jackie either, because they're kind hearted, where I'm kind of like a prick when it comes to it, insensitive. But perhaps some people, if she did kill herself, they'll get some, clo they'll get some closure out of it. They will. I would get closure out of it. Just do it. Whack yourself. Do you think her son would f get closure if she killed herself? She does have Colby Ryan, her son. Colby. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That kid Larry's a bit of an extremist, but Larry, is is she going to have to pay someone off for her protection? She, you know what? If she was in general population, I would say yes. Clover's convinced one day she will be. This chick is going to have a target on her fucking head. For the rest of her life. People are. Okay. You're coming in. You're in prison. Let's say 10 years down the pike. She gets let out into general population. And there's some people. New people that just got in there. Oh well, that's Lori Vallow. Well they're serving a life sentence. Although they're, they're in GP. They're not in protective custody. So they go and kill her. Do you have any idea the type of street cred that'll give you? The respect that'll give you? They're probably lining up to kill this chick. Seriously. They're so, Larry, I think that they may not put her in um, population right nope. away. But I believe that eventually they will. And you know why? 
the staff members also, because of her crime and they have children, they would just want to put her out there and say, well, you know well, what? Well, okay. Yes. But it's, it's not the staff member's decision. The institution, all right, let's go to the BOP. We'll use that as an example since we've all had federal prison experience. When you ask a BOP staff member something and they say they don't know, they're not lying to you. They really, really don't know. The uh, designation center and the regional office, they know that the staff members are stupid on an institutional level. They're not decision makers. Well, gee, my counselor said I can't have X amount of time FSA or step back. Your counselor's not the fucking decision maker. It's coming from somewhere else. Um, the, uh, the rank and file staff members, wherever she touches down at, they're not going to make a decision on classification. That's going to come like from DOC headquarters, and she's going to be her case. They call that's why they have case managers. Her case is going to be managed from a central location. That's what was supposed to happen to Whitey Bulger. But meanwhile, staff members on a local level opened the door. Boom, they came in and killed that sucker. You know, could it happen? Yeah. But I don't think officially that anybody is going to put her in GP. Um, Clover might be right. I don't think she is, though. Larry, if she does get in GP... I hope somebody does whack her. I really do. She may just whack her own self. How about That's that? Right. No, make it easy on the taxpayers. <laughs> got to wrap the Larry Levine show, but without saying, first we got to say goodbye to the founder of Evolution Reentry Services. Jackie Pulverari is a leader with over 25 years of proven successes in mentoring and therapeutic environments and criminal justice reentry. I really want to say a sincere thank you to all three of our guests because they you know, put, are putting themselves out there and uh, are doing wonderful things now that they are uh, out of a life of incarceration and into a, a life of doing good and uh, building themselves up. Um, Aria D says, I think we need to start accepting some people are just evil and not to blame it on mental health. Lori was very competent to commit fraud, planted deaths and conceal our crimes to the whole world. That sounds like something my father, who's a was a psychiatrist would say, uh, just a very bad set of choices. Uh, what say you, Jackie? You're a, a very smart woman. Are some people in this world just evil? I agree. There are some people that are just evil. I, I think in Lori's case, if that was it, then how did she be, why was she such a great mother many years ago up to a certain point? Yes. She, she was, she I mean, she's leaving this son. I think for me, this kid Colby is what touches my heart the most because he is hurting so bad. And he tells stories of my mother was a great mother up until she met ex, you know, met Chad and she changed. So if she was pure evil, it would be she was born that way. She was yeah. born evil. And I do believe people are born evil. But in Lori's case, something happened. Something Switched. Yeah. Quit the um, program, as they say. Guy Ricky, thank you uh, so much for your super sticker. Uh, this person says, I'm exhausted. I'm surviving the Larry. That's a new show. <laughs> Me a new too. <laughs> surviving the Larry Levine. It's a weekly show. I'm going to have to start it and be a hit. Um, in all seriousness, thanks to all of you. Quick programming note. Tomorrow night, we have the good Lori, good Lori Hellis and Gigi McKelvey of Pretty Lies and Alibis. Uh, they are 
Both were in the courtroom for the basically the entire time of this trial. They will be with us tomorrow night to discuss what that experience was like in three dimensions inside the Ada County Courthouse as this trial went on. And Thursday night, we're not done yet, Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, we have Carrie Rawson, the daughter of the infamous BTK serial killer, coming on with Kevin Fixler, an investigative reporter with the Idaho Statesman, to discuss the latest developments in the Brian Koberger case. There's a big dateline on Friday night that Carrie will be featured in, a two-hour special on the Brian Koberger case. She's going to come on our show first on Thursday night to discuss it all. Very kind of her. And then, Great Scott, it's time for your True Crime Phil with Phil Waters and Scott Duffy, Friday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Until then, love you, America. Guest stick around for one second. Love you, Connecticut. Love you, Los Angeles and California. Love you, Brooklyn and Long. Meet Nate. By day, he works in IT. But when he gets on the bike, he becomes... Nature Nate. An outdoorsy type with his head in the clouds and a weak supply of trail mix in his cargo pants. Nature Nate leaves no trace, except for native wildflowers. If a tree falls in the forest, he'll help it get back up. And Nature Nate rides with Geico, because getting specialty coverage for his motorcycle is the natural choice. Geico Motorcycle. Expert coverage for both your sides. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and... The chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothies, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.